we get into this message this morning, I want to come back to a verse that we have really been at the, it's been at the center of our walk through this summer. It's been a verse that as leadership we talked about, it's a verse that really came upon my heart as a prayer um, that I just, I just kept coming back to, that I thought was an important prayer in this time, in this season for our church. And as I shared it with the board, um, and really as a time of devotion for us, um, I could really tell that it, it, it connected with all of us. It helped us all to really frame where we're at and the questions that we have and the thoughts that we have. And, and in a time where we're beginning to dream about where things are going and where we're headed, we're thinking about um, all of the pieces that we have to set in place and the huge mission and vision that God has placed before us. And this isn't the first time that we've come to a place like this. I mean, really honestly, um, every year as you begin and you get into kind of the school year time as a church, you're looking and saying, God, what are you leading us into this year? What is our, how, how do we lean into our mission and vision? How do we reach the people in this community with the good news of Jesus? And what do you have for us in all of that? And if we're honest, and as a leader, if I'm being honest, you, you stop and go, wait a minute. Well, that feels way too big. I don't, I don't know how we can even begin to accomplish that. Some, some leaders would act like, and they would tell you, they've got it all figured out. And that they're full of confidence and that nothing could possibly go wrong. Uh, but I don't like to do that. I like to be honest. I like you to know exactly where I'm at. And sometimes I ask questions. Sometimes I stop and say, I don't know if that's possible. Are, you, are we really going to do that? Is that really going to happen? Questions like that were on my mind as we began this church 11 years ago, as Jill and I sat in a room with a bunch of other people who were starting churches all over the country, all full of joy and excitement, but also full of fear and trepidation and wonder. They were full of vision that God had placed in their hearts that they knew that they were supposed to do. I was with a friend this week at this conference and we were sitting having dinner together and he reminded me, he wanted to be the one to say this, that it was at a conference 12 years ago, I think about 12 or 11 and a half years ago, that we were sitting together and he's the one who said, he looked at me and said, well, you should go do that. Because I said, you know what, somebody... And guys, whenever you say somebody ought to do something about that, the answer is honestly 99% of the time, you, you should do something about that. When you see an injustice in the world and you say somebody should do something about that, what you are doing is you are praying, God, would you put somebody in a position to do something about that? And usually God's answer is, well, go and do. And so I said, boy, what a great time to begin a new church in the Franklin Township, southeast Indianapolis area. Somebody ought to go and, and do something there. Somebody ought to pull a new church community together. And my friend said, he remembers this. He looked at me and he said, you should go do it. Well, of course, I in that moment went, of course I should go do that. How would I do that? And the questions began to come, and I began to ask, how do you do that? And so over the years, those questions always come back. How do we do that? What do I do with that? And if the answers are easy, if the answers are, well, that's simple to do, if there are no questions, if there's no trepidation, if there's, if there's nothing that has to move and be shifted that's beyond your control, then it's probably not a God-sized vision. We end up thinking too small. We think, well, well, I can handle this. I can pick this up on my own. I can do this. And we're probably dreaming too small. 
Because when God puts a vision in our heart, that vision is huge. It's like me trying to reach over here and pick this up on my own and say, I'll take care of this sub when we leave. I'll pack this up on my own today. And what I'll do is what I've done before when I've told people that, I'll pull out my back. And then two months later, I'll be like, well, that sounds like a good idea. I'll grab that sub. It's no problem. But it would be so much better to grab a friend and say, hey, let's take this together because you can't do it on your own. So this verse reminds us we're not on our own. We need each other. Most importantly, we need God because God gives us God-sized vision and mission to go and do what seems on our level the impossible. So listen, I I love this verse. So Paul is writing to this church. It's in the city of Ephesus. We talked about this a couple weeks ago, that this is a city that it's it's diverse. It's, it's metropolitan. It's got people from all over the Roman Empire. It's, it's a fascinating community. There's all kinds of division taking place. Um, it seems like an impossible place for them to begin this church community. There's just, there's just too much uh, opposition in their way. So when it's happening, as Paul's writing them this message, he says this, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. I'm going to read that again because I just, I just, this is such a powerful, it's, it's a powerful prayer. Um, some, some think there's maybe some, some uh, pieces of it that maybe it's a song. Maybe it's got a little bit of a creed to it. It's the idea that this is a belief statement. But I think this is also a really personal statement for Paul. I don't think this is just like, okay, I'm going to drop this in. This seems like a nice place to sort of end this part of the, you know, this, this will be the part that they'll take a lunch break while they're reading this letter. So I'll put this nice little tag at the end. No, I think this is personal for Paul. I think this is a huge statement. Paul was writing this while he was sitting in prison. So Paul had all sorts of impossible things in his way, literally bars in his way. Yet he had been called to share the good news of Jesus. And he had been called not just to one place, but many places. Paul Paul started so many churches and was just constantly on mission to share the good news of Jesus. And he faced all kinds of opposition along the way. Honestly, the least of which might have been being put in prison. And so here he sits, writing this letter, sending this out to go to these churches. It ends up becoming the coolest thing happens. It becomes a circular letter, which means that the people in Ephesus read this and said, man, this is good stuff. And they began to pass it along to other people. In some eras, it would have been um, a chain letter that would have been sent through the mail. You would have copied and sent off. I'm not going to ask anybody if they'd done chain letters because I don't want you to show your age today. Or maybe it was um, a, a forward email. Remember when people used to forward everything? And you still have you know, grandparents or uncles that forward everything along the way, right? Or maybe this is one of those things where it's a text thread that you're like, oh, you have to see this, right? It'd be a social media. It'd be a repost or something like that, right? This thing went viral is what I'm trying to tell you. And it began to spread to all these other churches because as the other churches began to read this, they said, man, there's power in this. There is something. Everybody needs to hear this. Because let's be honest, all of these churches faced things bigger than themselves. 
all of them were facing obstacles in their way because that's what the good news does. The good news of Jesus pushes in against everything that is the opposite of what God wants for our world. Justice and mercy and grace and love. And as you share that into this world, there's this pushback. And so they have all these practical challenges. They have all these logistical challenges. They had all these things of trying to figure out, you know, how do we gather together? What does that look like? How do we do this? They had interpersonal conflicts about, I don't like this person. I don't like that person. How am I supposed to sit around a table and break bread with them? Like, because that never happens in churches, right? And there's all of these things that they're facing, but then they also face external pressure from people that don't want them to be successful in what they're doing because when grace and love and mercy are successful in our world, it changes things. And people who are in power are afraid of change. And so there's this pushback. And so they've got all these challenges, but so this starts to pass around to all these churches. And I love this because they were all just saying, hey, we got a mission. And this is so important for us. So listen again to these words. I just, I just love this. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. So Paul sitting in prison, Paul writing to these people facing all these challenges, says when things seem too overwhelming, when things seem too difficult, we can turn to him who can do immeasurably more. God can do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. And then Paul does this. I love this. He shows us how he does this. Before we say how he does it, though, I want to go back to something I talked about. As I was trying to explain the idea of immeasurably more a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago, uh, as, we, as we began our journey into this text, I talked about the idea of folding paper. I won't get into this whole thing, but basically, and I'm just going to leave it real quick, because if I go on to it, I'll get caught up on, this, on the idea of this thing, and I just think it's super cool. We were talking about how long it, or how many times you had to fold a piece of paper to get to the moon. Do you guys remember this? Does everybody remember this? And the answer was 42 times if you folded a piece of paper. Now, don't try to do it while I'm preaching the rest of this time. You're going to get distracted. But if you folded that paper 42 times, you would reach the moon. And that seems ridiculous. That seems crazy. It doesn't seem possible. That seems immeasurably more, right? That's a really long distance. Then I said it was something like 80 sometimes or some, some crazy number, 104 or something like that, that would reach the edge of the known universe. And we're all just like, right? Like, just, it doesn't make any sense. But I, I use that illustration because I wanted the thought, the idea of, what if you could take that piece of paper? And what if you could write all the challenges, all the questions, all the prayers, all the needs, all, all the stuff that had to happen for this God-sized mission and vision to come to fruition, if you could write all that down and you could fold that up and you could send it across the known universe, that's what Paul is getting at. God can do immeasurably more than all of that. The millions of gears that that would take to cross the entire universe. God can do immeasurably more than all you ask or imagine. And then Paul, does, it's this incredible thing. Paul shows us how God does this. And this is even more mind-blowing than folding a piece of paper 42 times and reaching the moon. He says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all you ask or imagine, according to his power, so it's still his power, don't miss this part, according to his power, 
And here's the, here's the key. That is at work within us. Immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power at work within us. I think it's so easy for us to do a couple things here. Number, number one, to miss this and to not realize how huge this is, that he's saying his power, that God can do all of this more than you ask or imagine because of his power at work within us. It's so easy to kind of just skip over that and not realize, well, God could do anything. He, he doesn't, does he really need you or me to accomplish this? Yet he, yet he, and this is, this is what is so unbelievable and so amazing and so incredible and such an intricate and, and important part of the good news of Jesus is that he looks at us and he says, not only, not only am I going to restore your life and renew your life and rescue you from sin, he says, I'm going to empower you by the Holy Spirit that you could participate in the life of the kingdom of God and make an impact in this world that goes beyond anything you could ever begin or imagine. And if we can't get excited about that, I don't even know what we're doing anymore. I mean, that is incredible. That is an amazing reality that God looks at us, individuals, and then as a community, don't miss the us part of this that is the community aspect. He says he can do amazing things in and through you, in and through you as individual people, in and through you as a community devoted to Jesus Christ. He says his power at work within all of us. Now, now nobody else did it, so I'm going to do it because Kurt would have done it. He'd go, amen. He gets stoked about that. I get excited about that. We have to realize the power of this, the amazing reality taking place in this. God does immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine at work within us. One of the ways that I talked about this was before that I have been called to point us in the direction. Our board has been coming together to pray about that, to see that, to affirm that idea, to lead out into that. But it is his power at work within us all of us, that takes us there. If it's just on me, if it's just on a handful of people in leadership, it would never get accomplished. It is the power at work within all of us that accomplishes the mission and the vision. Without that power given by God, the church is nothing more than a social club. And I've said this before, and I think this is so critical for us to understand. Without the power given by God, church is nothing more than a social club. But with his power, the church is a community. It's a conduit through which God works. Through the Holy Spirit working within his power, the church reveals the glory of God. And that is where Paul goes to next. This is cool. So in verse 21, he goes to this. He says, to him, to him. So now to him who is able to do a measure more than all we ask or imagine according to his power. So he kind of says this. He says, now to him, and then he's like giant parenthesis, and then he lays out this whole thing, who is able to do a measure more than all we ask or imagine according to his power of this work within us, closed parentheses. So he's like, that's who I'm talking about. That's the God I'm talking about. That's the one you're focusing on today. And he says, okay, before we move on, do you get it? 
Do you see that him, do you see that God is bigger than you could possibly imagine, does more than you could possibly imagine, and does all of it through you? Do we get, we have that? Yes. All right, so then he goes on. He says, to him, to that God, be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. I talked to our board about something I think is super, super cool, and we began to discuss this verse, and we had this in our devotional time, and I, I love this, that Paul is, a, is just fascinating. We don't have time to get into all of Paul. We're not going to uh, get into the biography of Paul. If you want to read a biography of Paul, I know a couple that are just amazing and just incredible that talk about him. One of the things that's really fascinating about Paul is that Paul and his theology and the way that he shifted in his understanding of things. Paul, um, early on in his theology, the way that he talked to churches, the way that he wrote in his letters, the things that he would say to them, Paul's understanding was that Jesus was coming back in his lifetime, that Jesus was coming back to, to restore this earth, to bring the new heaven and the earth into fruition here in his lifetime. So when you read Paul, when he discusses things, it's so important to sort of have that lens on it because your life looks a lot different. How you understand things looks a lot different when you say, Jesus is coming back tomorrow. Like that begins to shift things a little bit. You probably do things a little bit different in your life, right? And I think what's cool here is I think, um, and I could be wrong, but I think we see a little bit of a shift in Paul here. I think it's huge that he says this, that he affirms this statement, that to him be glory in the church, in Christ Jesus, throughout all generations. And I think there's this little bit of shift that Paul is sitting in this prison. He's seeing it's not all on him, that this thing is going to continue on for all generations forever and ever. Amen. It's kind of why I get, I'm naturally a cynic because I have a little bit of Gen X in me, but I also have a little bit of hopefulness because I'm a millennial too. So I'm sort of a in-between. I'm an exennial. Any other exennial? We have a bunch of exennials in this church. But the cool thing about exennials is that we are hopefully cynic, hopefully cynical, or cynically hopeful. I don't know which one it is, but I think there's a little bit of this sort of idea that he has this hope that, that things are going to go on. And see, the problem with Gen X and the problem with cynical people in general is that you sort of go, oh, this is a mess. Have you seen this next generation? Ugh. All they do is sit on their phones all day. They just sit and make TikToks. Yippee! Read a book, do something, and get outside and play. Get dirty, scrape your knee, right? Like you've heard this, right? Like, but I just, I've said this over and over again. Just say it with me. The kids are all right. They're fine. They're great. And if you don't believe me, come hang out with us. We have our youth group. They are awesome. They will show you that there is hope. And I think that's what this points to. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. There's a trust there. This thing doesn't end with us. It goes on and on and on. But we have a responsibility, don't we? To share the good news of Jesus. To remind them the difference they can make. To introduce them to the love of Jesus. But also to to remind them God wants to do incredible things through you. And when our kids say, that's a mess over there, that's a problem, what would happen if we began to look at our students and we said, yeah, what are we going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? What if we began to say, God wants to empower you to make an impact and a difference in this world. You're not too young. You can do this. 
make the impact some of us never did. Because we believe in you to do that. Because Jesus believes in you to do that. And the Holy Spirit has been empowered in you to do that. That would change the world. It would change the world tomorrow. So to him be glory. The word glory comes from the Latin gloria. means esteem, fame, renown. I think in a world where fame is so quickly gained and also so quickly lost, Paul's prayer is so fascinating here. God's name would be eternally famous. If we look at the scriptures, we find authors who tell us that God's glory is on display in creation. God's glory is on display in his redemptive acts. His glory is on display in the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. But again, Paul also shows that his glory is on display in us. Isn't that cool? Isn't that awesome to think about? Like, it's not like, okay, so you have a little bit of God's glory, but when you look out at the Grand Canyon or an ocean, that has way more of God. That's not it. It's, it's like, no, 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 no. This isn't even equal. Like, creation is incredible. It displays God's glory. His redemptive acts display his glory. The life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, man, that displays God's glory. But his glory is displayed through you. And this is an incredible reality to begin to realize. God's glory is displayed in and through you. Again, the church is not a social club. The church is the body of Christ, transformed by his grace, empowered by the Holy Spirit to live out the kingdom of God in this world. Now, that's a whole bunch of theological stuff going on there, but I'm going to say that again because I think it's so critical. The church is the body of Christ, transformed by his grace, empowered by the Holy Spirit to live out the kingdom of God in this world. And when the church is that, his glory is revealed. When the church shows the love and grace, mercy and forgiveness of God, we reveal his glory. But we don't ever want to forget, it's his glory. And as the church, we always point back to God as the source of who we worship. I think this is why it's so important for us as we think about our loving God and loving others statement. It's the center of the message of Jesus. Jesus said, this is the most important commandment, love God and love others. And I think that we recognize and see that we reveal his glory to the world as we love the world, as we share his love and grace and his mercy with the world. But then we point that back, we turn back again, and we recognize and see that he is the source He is the source of that love within us because he loved us so much that that love pours out from us into this world. And if it's not pouring out into this world, we need to recognize that we need to realize how much God loves us and how much uh, we should be worshiping him and having his goodness and his love and his grace into our hearts to pour out. We should be overflowing. And so we turn back and we worship. It's why we sing the songs that we sing. We recognize and we see his love. We recognize his mercy and his grace and his power. And we say, God, we see this in you. And he pours that out in our lives and out into this world. And his glory is revealed. Psalm 115 one says, not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory. In another letter that Paul wrote, he said, whatever you do, 
do it all for the glory of God. Now, he's talking about some specific thing, things in this context of that, but he still uses the word whatever. So I think there's a little bit of an, a, 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 an option to sort of take that and, and run with that a little bit. Because whenever I see whatever, I always look at the scripture and say, whatever, whoever, whoever's big, it's huge, it's more than I can imagine. Whatever is big and huge and more than I can imagine. Whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Whatever you do. How, how would that change our lives? How would that change vocation? How would that change serving? How would that change how we interact with each other? Whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. So next time you're annoyed with your neighbor, and you look over, I'm going to give that guy a piece of my mind. Do it with the glory of... No, that's not, that's not it. When you look over, say, hey, wait, 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 wait. I'm being serious. Is this going to glorify God in this moment? Are we asking ourselves that? Is this glorifying God? Now, that doesn't mean we're going to be boring. We're going to have, that means you're not, it doesn't mean, well, oh, I'm not going to have any fun anymore. No, I just mean, is my life glorifying God? I think that's a huge question to begin to ask. So as we close, let me, let me read something to you. This is, this is a passage that shows the early church revealing God's glory around them being empowered by the Holy Spirit. I think living out the prayer that Paul prayed. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven. It filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I love how Dr. Gilbert Bilzeki, and a professor of biblical studies, he paraphrased the end of this passage. I love the story that talks about this. He, he was teaching, he was lecturing on this passage to a classroom full of students. And I've sat in classes like that where a professor is, is teaching the scriptures. I've sat in sermons where somebody is teaching the scriptures. I've probably taught at times where I've taught the scriptures, but the passion wasn't there that it needed to be. Well, in this moment that Dr. Gilbert Brzezekian was teaching this passage, all of a sudden, <laughs> the spirit began to move in his life. And in that room, something took place. And so some Students of his wrote down what he had to say in that moment in that lecture. He came out behind the podium and he said this. He said, students, to us we say, church, there was once, once upon a time, there was a community of believers who were so totally devoted to God that their life together was charged with the Spirit's power. In that band of Christ followers, believers loved each other with a radical kind of love. They took off their masks. They shared their lives with one another. They laughed and they cried and they prayed and they sang and they served together in authentic 
Christian fellowship. Those who had more shared freely with those who had less until socioeconomic barriers melted away. People related together in ways that bridged gender and racial chasms, celebrated their cultural differences. Acts 2 tells us that this community of believers, this church, offered unbelievers a vision of life that was so beautiful, it took their breath away. My friend Derek talks about when he went to the Grand Canyon, and I think he would say this, his breath was taken away in that moment. If you've ever seen something, when's the last time something absolutely took your breath away that you just stopped? I want you to think about that moment for a minute. When's the last time that happened to you? When is the last time your breath was just taken away? And in this passage, Dr. Bilzekian is saying, listen, once upon a time, this church lived in such a way that it was so beautiful, it literally took people's breath away. It was so bold, so creative, so dynamic, they couldn't resist it. In a time, in a time that people seem to be fleeing from the idea of church. I mean, I don't think people are fleeing from the idea of Jesus. I think a lot of people like Jesus. I think a lot of people aren't so sure about the church. What have we done? I don't mean us. I mean the church. What has happened? This church always believed from the very beginning that we wanted to be a place where people who had given up on the idea of church would say, I'll I'll try a community like that. I'll explore Jesus Because I I want to know more about Jesus, and I see that what Jesus has done to you is so bold, so creative, so inspiring, so spirit-filled that I I can't resist it. I can't do that. I'm not that good. Our musicians are great, but they can't do that. Our kids' ministry is fantastic. It can't do that. Even our service projects that we do on the community aren't good enough to take people's breaths away. It is God at work within us. When we allow his spirit to work within us, causing us to be so bold, so creative, so dynamic, that people, their breath is taken away. When we live in such a way that we offer unbelievers a vision of life so beautiful. And it tells us the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And I love what that says. The Lord added to their number daily. Oh, let's not stop there. It's not, it's not enough to fill chairs. That's a, that's a huge mistake. If it's about filling chairs, if it's about butts and seats, then we totally miss the point. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved, restored, rescued, renewed, empowered with the Holy Spirit to make a kingdom of God difference in this world because this world needs people who believe in Jesus and allow his life to change their hearts and become a part of his kingdom in this world, bringing his grace and his love and his mercy into this world because this world is in desperate need of that. So I've said this before and I'll say it again someday. Someday I hope that we run out of chairs in this place. 
Just like we did previously at some other spots, we ran out of chairs. And one of the things that I said was, we have to make room for people. Not because we're trying to add more space, but because people need to come and experience the grace of Jesus. We want the Lord to add to that number daily being saved. I think when we live like that, when we be that, when we put our mission, our vision in the right place, the glory of God is revealed. And that's Paul's prayer. When he, when he says this incredible uh, set of scriptures, now to him who is able to do a measure even more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. God, we are so thankful for this set of scriptures that remind us of your power, of your goodness, and how you want to work within us. God, as we enter this next season, as we think about who we are and what the mission and vision you have given us, give us energy, give us strength, give us um, the, the, the ability to push through the obstacles that we face in our way. God, may you do through us immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. It's your name that we pray. Amen.